0: All right. Tonight we're going to talk about the second coming. Or um, that's really what I, that's really what I want to focus in on. I started to just say you know the end times, but but um, it's going to be a little bit narrower narrower than that. Um, focus more on the on the, the second coming of Christ, um, and we'll we'll see where it leads from there. I mean, we may talk about some of the other things, but. Um, in, in You know, the end times is, is what is referred to as eschatology, which just means it, it has to do with last, you know, last things. Um, and I'm going to give you some references here for this this word um, coming, when, when we think of the second coming in Scripture, uh, is the word parousia in the Greek. And the reason I'm telling you that is because it gets used a lot uh, in theology. So, I mean, in, you know, in... Christian writing, so sometimes you may run across that word parousia, and, you know, they just bring it over into the English. Um, but it, it means coming or presence. So, you you, and, you know, you can think about it in either one of those ways and, and very fitting when you think about the Lord re- returning because that's what we're talking about is His his presence, His coming or His Present. So here I'm going to give you a few verses here where that's contained. I'm going to start with Matthew. Well, I'll tell you what, before we go to Matthew, let's look at Hebrews, um, Hebrews chapter nine. Jesus um, is coming back, and that's really where I'm going to start with just the, just the just the fact that he is coming back. The teaching, the scriptural teaching that he that he is going to return, and that we are to be looking for him. You know, there's, there are several ways um, that the Lord comes, and these are different ways are talked about in the Scripture, but um, one is in judgment. Sometimes when the Scripture talks about the coming of the Lord, it's talking about judgment. And and you do see passages like that in the New Testament where Jesus is talking about the judgment that will come upon uh, Jerusalem and, and the land of Judea, Um because they rejected him. You know, they didn't know the way he says it, they you didn't know the, the the day of your visitation. Uh, and then he even says, uh, um, you know, how often would I have gathered you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you would not. And, and that judgment did come in 70 A.D. when uh, Jerusalem was destroyed, the temple was destroyed. Uh, so... A lot of times in the Scripture, Old and New Testament, when it talks about the Lord coming, that's the idea. It's judgment. Um, another way that the Lord comes is is uh, in, in death, in our death. And I, I think, that, you know, sometimes you can, we can use that terminology with that. It's like we were talking about just a minute ago. Uh, we, we don't know, you know, when the Lord uh, is coming for us. And that's, I, you know, I... I try to make a habit, you know, some, every once in a while some somebody will ask you, I've, I mean, I've had this several times, every, every once in a while somebody will ask a question about um, the Lord's returning. And I had a, a guy ask me this not too long ago out at the prison. Uh, I, I, I just kind of opened up the floor for questions, and one guy stood up and, and he asked about uh, the end times and when Jesus was going to come back. And I said, well, you know, <coughs> I, I don't, because he, he, what he was wanting to know is, are we real close? And I, I said, I don't, I don't know, you know. I mean, it might be today. It might be another 2,000 years from now. You know, I, I don't know the answer to that. I said, but I do know this. <laughs> you and I aren't going to be around for very long, even if it is another 2,000 years from now. So he's coming one way or, or another. He's coming for us. And and we need to be ready. One way that he comes is in death. So uh, just like our our friend Bill Wallsworth, um, sometimes it's very unexpected. You know, he he preached that morning, went home, played with the grandkids a little bit, and then um, and then he really went home. Went home to be with the Lord. So I know a friend of ours called until in fact Leslie was trying to reach me Sunday evening. Um, when I was here, but a friend of ours had called and said that he went home and Bill went home and died. And Leslie said, "It sounds like he died and went home." <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to look at it. And both he went home and he died and he went home. Okay, so so the Lord comes in judgment. Sometimes in the Scripture, He comes we can think of His coming in in, in our death. He comes for us. Um, and then what we're talking about tonight, of course, is the second coming, when the Lord returns. Um, there, there are people that actually, I'm not going to go in depth here, but, but you know, I already mentioned like the destruction of Jerusalem and all. There are people that actually teach that was the second coming, and that the Scripture, what, what Jesus uh, meant, like in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, uh, when, he, when He talked about coming, was that He was coming in judgment, and that all took place in 70 A.D. and it's over with. You know, he's already come. Well, well I, I certainly I'm not on board with that. I do a lot of the things were fulfilled at that point, and Jesus did prophesy about, and a lot of those things were fulfilled. But <clears throat> we're still looking for his bodily appearing, his second coming. All right, so let's go to Matthew. Uh, I'm sorry, Hebrews nine twenty eight, and uh, again. Just the the scriptural teaching that there is uh, a a second coming to look forward to. He's coming again. Okay. Let me back up just a hair. Verse 27. Just as it is appointed for man to die once, which we talked about last week, just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once, to bear the sins of many will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Remember that phrase, too. He's, he's, he's going to appear the second time to, to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. All right? Um, just keep that in mind. But but here, clear teaching, just like it is appointed for us to die once and after that the judgment, Christ Um, having been offered once, once for all, um, to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time. But the second time, it's not to deal with sin. The writer of Hebrews makes it clear because he already did that. He, he, uh, he was, he offered himself once for all. But the second time, he's coming not to deal with sin, but to save those who eagerly wait, who are eagerly waiting for him. So that's what we're looking for. Um, his, his reappearing. Um, this time, not as, as a lamb slain, but this time as the, uh, the Lord of glory in all his glory come back to, uh, to, to take his people. All right, let's go to uh, Matthew 24. And, and again, just looking at right now the fact that there is, it does teach that Jesus is coming back. Matthew 24, I'm going to start with um, verse 3. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming? And there's the word parousia. What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Perusia meaning coming or presence. So Jesus has just um, given a prophecy that that the temple and 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 uh, those things will be destroyed. Back in verses one and two, you see all these things. Do you not truly? I say to you, there will be, there will there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be o- thrown down. All right. So then they they come back and uh, as as he seated on the mount of olives and say, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? So so they're they're already talking about. His, his coming again and jesus doesn't you know he doesn't say no 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 i'm not it's not going to be another coming no he goes on to uh, to uh, answer and this, uh, there's a very lengthy discourse here so let me jump down um, to verse 20 26 so if they say to you look he is in the wilderness do not go out if they say look he is in the inner rooms do not believe it For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So there again, Jesus references. They've asked in verse 3, when when it will be, be, uh, or when will all these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming? So now Jesus uh, gets to that part of the question and says, um, just like the lightning shines from the east to the west, Um, That's how it'll be. That's how the coming of the Son of Man will be. And I take that to mean, by the way, that um, everybody will know. What you got there, Leslie? Wonder what the next verse is? It seems to be that he's talking about... um, there's, There's disagreement, but it seems to be that he's talking about us being gathered to him. Like eagles are gathered to a corpse. we're we're gathered at his coming. Not a not a pretty picture, but it's six one way and half a dozen the other because they're they're scavengers. Uh, eagles are prettier than vultures, but they still, uh, you know. But but yeah, I think that seems to be um, the idea there. Like I say maybe not a pretty picture, but the point is <laughs> that we're going to be where he is drawn to him. And he repeats that over in Luke 2, by the way, in in just a slightly, it's recorded in just a slightly different place. Okay, so 27, just read that. Look at verse 37, 36. I'm going to get that with it too. But concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. So he he said back in verse 27, um, it'll be like this, like the lightning shines from the east and the west, meaning that um, everybody's going to see it. It's going to be obvious. Nobody's going to miss it. Um, And here he says it'll be like this. It'll be like the days of Noah. Well, what does he mean by that? I think the picture here is essentially that things are going to be rocking along like normal. Eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. And, and so, in other words, um, it's, it's life life as usual is going to be going on when he comes. In fact, that's part of his point here is that the ones who are caught off guard are, are just like the ones who were carried away by the flood, you know. They're 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 destroyed, and then uh, if if we're right about uh, verse twenty eight back there, then then we're like the vultures, right, <laughs> we're, or the eagles, right? Well, yeah, eagles makes a prettier picture. So so we're like the eagles. We fl- we fly away with the Lord. But yeah, that is that is the picture, and that and that's the whole point in in uh, Noah's in, in the ark. You know, the ark is a is a a, a type foreshadowing of Christ. Now, when the whole world is destroyed, uh, those who were in the ark were safe. That's that's Christ. Christ is the ark. If you're in the ark, you're safe. If you're not in the ark, then destruction. Because there's no there's no other boat out there. No other lifeboat. I, I think... Um, this was going to be one of my main points, too. We're, we're looking for one event. It's my understanding um, what the Scripture is teaching. We're looking for one event. Now, I know there's a there's a, a, a popular teaching today about um, like what some call a secret rapture where the, the church is raptured out of here and all non believers are left behind. Um, and honestly, I just don't find that in the Scripture. Um, I, what I see in the Scripture is we're looking for one event. In other words, this, the, sec, the second coming is not, is not part A and part B. It's, it's, it's just the coming. You know, it's when the Lord comes. And so here Jesus is... And let's go ahead and read those verses you're talking about. Here Jesus is describing it, and he says, um, verse 37, For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So, so will be the coming of the Son of Man, all right? So, here's the picture so far. Jesus is saying n- normal life is taking place, there are. They're eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day Noah entered in the ark, and they were unaware. So, um, in other words, God is fixing to bring destruction on the world, but life is just going on as usual, and and, and everybody's unaware. Well, everybody except for Noah and his family, right? So now he, be, he begins to describe the way it's going to be, um, he's, I mean, he's fleshing that out. He says, it's going to be like it was in the days of Noah, so it's going to look like this, it's going to play out like this, verse 40. And this is what Pam was referring to. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the meal. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your lord is coming. So so Jesus just gives these pictures of just normal um routine, two men at the meal or uh, two men in the field, one taken, one left, right? Two women grinding at the meal, one taken, one left. Now, let's 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 go back to his analogy with um with Noah because he says it's going to be like in the days of Noah. Verse 38, For as in the days of before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So who was taken? The ones that were unaware were swept away in judgment. And I think that's who he's talking about as, as when he says... Um, one is taken. He's swept away. He's unaware. He's swept away. Um, if you if you use the flood analogy. So you got two women or two men in the field. One is taken. He was unaware. He's swept away. Judgment. You got two um, women at the meal. One is taken, swept away in judgment. And so then he says, "So then, watch, be awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming." So those that were, um, that were swept away in the flood were, were those who were um, unbelievers. You know, they were not inside the ark. So I think all of this is happening simultaneously, in other words. And so yes, we, we will be, we'll be taken, we'll be, we'll be caught up, like Paul just said, we're, we're taken out of here to be with the Lord. Like over in Thessalonians he says, uh, we'll meet him in the air, and so shall we ever be in, be with the Lord, uh, Paul says. And unbelievers are are swept away in judgment. You know, one one event, one one final event. When is the tribulation? Well, um, I think we're in it. I think we're definitely in it. Now, there there is reference to a great tribulation that that may. Um, Many believe, and I don't have a problem with this, uh, many, many believe that, that that's going to be a, a short period at the very, very end. So I would say we're in tribulation now. I think Jesus makes that clear, Matthew, in uh, John 16:33. in the world you have tribulation. And usually when you see the term tribulation, if not always, you, usually when you see the term tribulation, um, it's, it's talking about what we face as we live in this world, um, persecution. Uh, suffering. So, and again, Jesus makes that clear. He says, in the world you have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. So, I, I think we're in it now. As I said, um, the, the idea of a, of a great tribulation at the end of time, you know, that, that, that may well be true also. So that it, it uh, in fact, Jesus describes it as being like a, like a, a woman in travail with birth pains. So what happens when Uh, A woman is in in, uh, travail, bearing a child. What happens with the birth pains? They get more frequent, and they intensify. So that may be exactly what he's meaning there. In other words, we're in the tribulation now, have been ever since Christ uh, ascended, um, essentially. But the closer it gets to his coming, it may be and maybe what he's meaning there. It may be that it's going to get more intense, and and wor- you know just worse increase like Pam said, I th- I think I think we're we're in it and we're going to continue to be in it um, until until this happens right here, until the Lord returns, and then we're taken out. Okay, so uh, so again I think we're 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 waiting for looking for one event the return of the Lord which Paul calls in Titus our our blessed hope, that's Titus two thirteen our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ Okay so while we're still in Matthew 24 here in Matthew 24 verse 43 Jesus says but know this that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming he would have stayed awake and would not have let let his house be broken into Therefore, you also must be ready, for you, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So, another point to make there is, which, which he's already said a little bit previous to that too, which nobody knows when it will be. So, so he's just saying, um, always be ready. In fact, if you um, go back and look at his uh, words here, he says to stay awake. Right, just be. Ready, stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming, and then again verse forty four therefore you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect how how can you be ready you you could start to of put this in two parts, um, of course the, the you know probably the first thing that comes to your mind, which is definitely um Necessity, right? We have to be, like, like I said, Noah and his family had to be in the ark, right? Well, we have to be in Christ. Anybody who's outside of Christ is not ready. But I really think Jesus is saying more than that here, because He's talking to believers, and He's not. It's not that there's something additional, but, but there are there are things that mark somebody that's ready. So again, for example, uh, how do we know Noah? and and his family was ready for the flood B- because they were in the ark they were where god said be they were obeying him and what jesus does here is tell us to be ready and then the way that he explains it is obedience so so we could say it another way too how do we wait cuz titus says we're waiting for our blessed hope so so and when we say, like we say, waiting with expectancy, we don't just mean—although this is, should be true too—but we don't just mean that we're, like, like, we're anticipating it. We're thinking, oh, you know, could, although, you know, th- that's a good thing to do. But what we mean by waiting with ex- expectancy or waiting is that we're doing what he said do, which is, um, well, going to look at a couple things here. But one, but the, the primary one is make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. This is what he's told us to do. This is what he has in view here. In other words, um, obey his commands. Look at verse 45. "'Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes.'" In other words, that servant is blessed because his master comes back and finds him doing what he told him to do. That's how we are to be ready, obeying the Lord. A few weeks ago, or a couple of weeks ago at least, we were talking about that in Sunday school, and uh, it reminded me of uh, Brother Carl was talking about... Um, you know, just basically living like today's your, you know, the, your last day, or, or the day that Christ would return, and it reminded me of this story I'd heard uh, about John Wesley, famous Great Awakening preacher, English Anglican preacher, um, founder of the Methodist Church. But John Wesley, uh, supposedly, uh, an individual asked him one time, what if, asked him that question. What if you knew today was your last day? The Lord's coming back tonight or tomorrow or you're going to die tonight or tomorrow. I forget forgot how the question was worded, but either way, t- today is your last day. What would you do? And John Wesley took out his little black book that he had his stuff scheduled on already and he said, this is what I'd do. In other words, he was already living that way. That's the way he was making his plans and, and scheduling his days. And uh that really should be that's what brother Carl was saying. That's how we should live, and that really is how we should live. Walking in obedience to the Lord every single day. I want to look at a passage here. Let's see. Titus, let's go to Titus two for a minute. I mentioned a moment ago verse thirteen. So in light of what we're talking about about here, this is this is um Paul is, is similar to like in Ephesians, you know, or something. Paul's giving instruction on how we're, to, how we're to conduct ourselves in the church, similar to what you see in Timothy or Ephesians. He addresses the elder men, the elder women, children, slaves. And then you get down to verse 11. He, he's, he says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness. Isn't isn't that something a lot of times, um, it's just amazing, a lot of times we want to separate grace from works, and Paul says, no, grace trains us for for godliness. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. So that's that's the way we're we're living now. Paul says because the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation. So God's grace is effective, uh, working in His people. Now, thirteen is what I mentioned a moment ago. Waiting, got that participle there. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So, waiting for our blessed hope, which is, I mean, that's the idea here, he, the rest of it is explanatory, waiting for our blessed hope, which is the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So, so Paul is saying the returning of Jesus, the coming of Christ, and we just read about in Matthew 24 a little bit, the, the coming of Christ is our blessed hope. Which, by the way, makes sense when you think about, um, for example, um, if we're in the tribulation now, if Christians in this world suffer and, and endure persecution, then you, you know, help us understand why the return of the Lord would be our blessed hope, right? It's, it's deliverance right? From, from this world and from sin. Now, which is another part of our struggle, not just persecution and so forth, suffering, but, but also the struggle that we have with sin. So our, our blessed hope is the coming of the Lord. Now look at verse 11 again, because that participle in verse 13 is, talking about, um, is, is describing what we just read in verse 11 and 12. In other words, this is how we're waiting. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Paul says grace trains you to do that, to live godly now in this present age so that you renounce worldliness and so that you um, renounce um, worldly passions. And so that you live self-controlled, right? Waiting. In other words, that is how we are waiting. We are we are presently, currently, living this way, the way that verses eleven and twelve describe, as we are as as our waiting for our blessed hope. So that is you go back to Jesus' um, parable in in uh, Matthew twenty-four. That's what he's talking about. In other words. Uh, what Paul is describing here is, is uh, the reality, here in Titus, is the reality of, of the servant living as the master has, in, or doing what the master has instructed him to do when he went away. And Jesus says, Blessed is that servant whom, when his master comes, finds him so doing. So, so, we're instructed to live and be godly in this present age, and we're instructed to make disciples of all nations, and that is how we, we wait. It's a, it's a, that's a, a, a great picture to keep in our minds because when, when we talk about um, waiting, or like the old King James uses the, with the word tarrying, tarrying for the Lord, we're not talking about sitting down with our hands full. <laughs> folded and waiting on the Lord this kind of waiting means doing what he said do living how he said live that's how we wait for him and to get back to what we were talking about a moment ago that's, that's how we are ready so to be ready for the Lord's coming you, you don't have to sell all your possessions and go um, build a little cabin on Mount Everest or something so you can be closer when he comes no, you just do what he says do. Take, take the Word of God seriously and obey it. Um, and and the Scripture is just full of, um, just like we see here, um, just full of uh, practical examples of how that, how that plays out. In fact, the first part of this whole chapter of Titus 2, he's dealing with a lot of that. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and steadfast in steadfastness. Verse 3, older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men. Now he gets to the young men. Urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Notice how that self-control keeps popping up there, which is the opposite of of, um, pursuing worldly passions that that he mentions over in verse 12 and the ungodliness. Um, Self-control. Everybody's to be self-controlled. Verse 7, show yourself, uh, young men, show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works And in your teaching, show integrity. There he's talking to Titus. Um, Show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bondservants, slaves, um, are to be submissive to their own masters and everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith. Uh, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. And that's what we're after there. Um, There we go again. How to be ready, how to wait, adorn the doctrine of God our Savior by being godly in this present age. So, um, two men in the field. One's ready, one's not. That's interesting, isn't it? E- even in that analogy, in the field, it looks like all outward uh, appearance. They're they're just doing the same thing. In in one sense, I mean, they're they're just going about life. But uh, one of them's one of them's uh, you know living in obedience. The other one is not. So one's ready, one's not, and one is uh, swept away in judgment. Two women at the meal. One's ready, one's not. One is swept away in judgment because she's not ready for the coming of the Lord. How do we re- how do we be ready live godly in this present age? That's how we wait. Not a passive waiting, but a, but an active waiting. Lots of other references here, but we, we're about out of time. Um, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Let's go, go to 1 Thessalonians. All right, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. But we, again, just talking about the coming of the Lord. It's a great passage for this topic, verse thirteen. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Again, that's a, we were talking about that recently. But that's a you In fact, last Wednesday night, that's a euphemism for death. In other words, he's talking about Christians who have died. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do, who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so will we always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need. You you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the, of the day. We are not of the night, Through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. All right. So Jesus returns. Uh, Jesus will return. Um, it'll be it'll be uh, visible. We saw that in Matthew twenty four, just like when the lightning shines east from the west. Everybody's going to know it, and it'll be. Um, A bodily, um, um, Christ will return bodily and visibly. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command with the voice of an archangel. (laughs) Quite quite a, a scene described there at the second coming. Any other comments before we wrap it up? That's blessed hope for believers. The Lord is coming back. This time, not to deal with sin like the writer of Hebrews said. Uh, this time, he's not coming as a, as a baby in a manger. He's not coming um, like a, a meek lamb to, to be sli- uh, uh, led to slaughter, um, lay down his life for his people. This time, he's coming as a lion, lion of the tribe of Judah. In all of his glory... And power and uh, coming for his people. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and Lord um, pray that you uh, just remind us of these things that we may live in expectancy, Lord, um, always endeavoring to be about your about your business. Uh, just as Jesus was about your business, Lord, uh, seeking to do your will and to honor you, seeking to um, obey the commands that you've given us, to take the gospel to the nations, to spread your word, to make disciples, teaching them to observe what you've commanded. Lord, um, and we just thank you. Thank you for these promises that we do have this blessed hope, this assurance of Christ's return. Again, we thank you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.